we do this song, but she wasn't feeling very well. And so Francis agreed to help me out a little bit. I tried to get some other kids, but they wouldn't. They, they refused. And I see that uh, Joy to the World is also our closing song. So you get to hear it twice today. You'll get to actually sing it once, and you'll get to hear it once. So um, we'll hopefully do a good job on it for you now. from Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child was born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen.
morning, church. I hope all of you had um, a good Christmas holiday, time off, and uh, time to spend with family. Well, um, on the church calendar, not so much uh, in the Adventist church, but in, in most of uh, Christendom, the, uh, this time of the year, the Christmas season, is, it is the biggest part of the year. It's, it's, the, it's the top place on the calendar. And so uh, this is referred to as the Advent season. I see there's an Advent candle here. So we're going to talk about the first Advent, but we're going to talk about it in a little bit different way. We're going to look at the relational aspects of the first Advent. What do we mean by Advent? Advent is just simply a word that means appearing. And so uh, we're talking about Christ's first time. But are we? That's the question. Well, let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 8. Genesis chapter 3. In verse 8, my Bible reads this way. They heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day, formed by God's own hands. Jesus there kneeling in in the dirt and forming man and breathing into him the breath of life. And then... um, creating Eve from a rib of Adam. And I don't know how long it was that that Christ was coming and visiting them in the garden before sin took place. We have no no record of how long that might have been. But his desire, Jesus' desire in in the very beginning, and I think it still is his desire, is to be with us, spend time with us, have a close relationship with us. And so he would come there in the, in, in the uh, cool of the day and, and visit with them. I, I can just imagine that um, he gave them a, a guided tour, you know, uh, first, right? Here's, here's the place for you to live. Well, oh, by the way, um, don't eat from that tree, right? But his, his, desire, his desire and uh, his commitment was to spend time with them uh, each day there. I'd like to um, go now to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And so we see there in, the, in, in Genesis, um, God wanting a close relationship with man. In fact, when he created them, he said that he created them in his image. He created man uh, a little differently than, than the rest of uh, the, the creatures on earth. He created them with his own hand. The rest of them he spoke into existence. But, but Adam was special. He, he created them with his, him with his own hands. Now, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, we're going to look at verses 16 through 18. Paul's writing here, and he writes these words. He says, Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. 
I will dwell with them and walk among them. I, I can't help but think about these words, uh, you know, and the, and the relational aspect of what they're presenting. I will dwell. Do you dwell in, in, in somebody else's house? How about another, uh, another country? Do you dwell in another country? No. You occupy other countries. You dwell in your own. You dwell in, in your own home. And so God is, is suggesting to us that he wants a relationship with us that is close and personal. He wants to not just visit us, if you will. He doesn't want to see us just once a week or maybe once a month or maybe two times a year, Easter and Christmas, right? He wants to spend time with us each and every day. He wants to dwell with us. And I can't help but remember a story about a man that was uh, wanting a closer relationship with Jesus. And, uh, and so he, the, the illustration was that he invited Jesus you know, to come to his home. And when Jesus first started coming to his home, he would have him in the living room. And um, after he got to know Jesus a little bit, he, he looked around the living room and he said, you know, there's some things in here that I'm not too uh, proud of, and it's a, little, it's a little messy. So he spent a good deal of time cleaning up the living room. And Jesus comes over, and, and he visits, and, uh, and he's like, well, <clears throat> okay, well, I've, I've seen the living room. How about you take me to the rest of the house? No, 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 Lord, not ready for you. And so eventually he, he, he gets to go into every room, except there is a closet upstairs. And when they get through the house and they come to the closet, the man says, well, what's, what's in the closet? I mean, the, uh, Christ says, what's in the closet? And he said, well, I, it's just, it's, that's, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. And, and Jesus, you know, tells him, basically communicates to him that, you know, I need to have access to all of you, not just part of you or the parts that you choose to allow me to have. But I need, I need a relationship with all of you, every, every bit of you. And so eventually the man um, turns all of the stuff that he had stuffed into the closet that he didn't want the Lord to see over to him. And his experience was, was much, 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 much greater and richer. So Paul goes on to say that, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from, um, from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch the unclean, uh, what is unclean, and I will welcome you, and I will um, be father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters." says the Lord Almighty. God wants to be our God. He wants us to be his people. I don't know if that means a whole lot to Americans nowadays that we're, we're a nation together. It's called the United States of America, not the divided states of America, right? And we're, we're all Americans. We're here as a people. Now, some of us come from all over the world and come here. And it used to be when I was growing up, they don't, I don't think they call it America this anymore, but they call it the melting pot. Or, any of you old enough to remember that? The idea and concept was that you came here and you kind of, kind of got blended in and you became American. 
when my grandfather came from Italy, um, in, his, in the home, they didn't speak Italian because he told the children, you're American, so you speak English, even though he didn't. So, you know, they, they learned English, but that, that was what was spoken in the home, and it helped him to learn the language, but he didn't want to be Italian anymore. He wanted to be American because that's what he came here for. And um, so God is wanting us to be a people. And he wants to be our God. Now, and today, we have many gods. Many, many gods. Some of them come in different forms. Houses, cars, football teams. No offense to the Packers. but You know what they call um, people that, that go to those games? They call them fans, right? Short for fanatic. That's what fan is short for. Okay. So they're fanatical for their team. And I don't know about you, but I've seen some of the fanatical things that, that they do at football games. And, and, and they'll be in shirt, no shirt, painted all up with this body paint in the middle of winter in Wisconsin. Now, that's fanatical, isn't it? They get excited about the football game, right? And so they want to be part of that team. Because when I talk to them, and my brothers are uh, big uh, football fans, and I talk to them and they say, my team, my team, my team, right? And it's like, okay, well, how are you part of the team? I'm thinking, I don't say it, but that's uh, what I'm thinking. How, are, how is it again that you're part of the team? You know, but they, they take ownership in it, right? And I think what God is calling us to do is to have ownership in this relationship. Right? He wants us to say, that's my church. And not that you own it, right? It's that because you're part of the community, you're part of God's people. And he becomes the number one priority in your life. Everything centers around Jesus. Now, my wife and I, we've been married 29 years. And uh, I'm very happy that, uh, that we made it that long. And I'm looking forward to however long uh, God has us together right? until he comes in the, in the clouds of glory or, or we, we separate by death. But the point is that we're both committed to the relationship. And I think that we need to be committed to our relationship with the Lord as well. Because he's committed to us. He's committed to us. Very much so. Now, I'd like to turn in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, chapter 21. Revelation, chapter 21. So we've seen that Jesus has wanted to have a very close and intimate relationship with us in the very beginning. And then we, we see what, with what Paul is saying, that, that God wants a very close relationship with, with humanity. For after all, when, 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 what does God say in John 3.16? He, he sent Jesus to die here for just a couple of people. He sent him to die for a few. He, he, he sent them to die for uh, a select group. No? He says that he sent him to die for the whole world. The sins of all the world. And so uh, he is wanting this relationship not just with us, but with the rest of his creation. 
So let's look at, at chapter um, 21 and, and verses 1 to 3. Revelation 21, verses 1 to 3. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had, uh, passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down uh, out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice, a loud voice, from the throne saying, so th- th- from the throne, this is God himself declaring this, right? Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. That's an awesome thought, isn't it? You ever thought about how wonderful it's going to be to be in the presence of the creator of all the universe? I mean, think about that. You know, um, a lot of people have asked me about being in heaven. And, you know, we talk about heaven as a place, right? Because it is. And we talk about how magnificent and beautiful it is. But the reality is that wherever Jesus is, that is heaven. Amen? So Jesus and and, and, uh, the faithful, the righteous, will be in heaven for a thousand years, um, looking through the judgment. And then after that thousand years, Christ the holy city and all of his people are going to come here to earth. You know, the first time I heard this about um, God establishing his throne here on earth, I thought, that can't, be, that can't be right. Who would want to come to this place? You know? And so, but he does. He, he, wants, he wants to be here with us, and he wants us to be with him because we're his children. And so he's going to, he's going to remake this planet is no longer going to be the sin-filled planet that we find ourselves living in today. It's going to be restored and renewed and revived, like what we talked about in in the Sabbath school this morning. It's going to be made anew, made fresh. And it'll be like it was in the beginning, perfect. Perfect. And it'll be just the, the perfect place for us to dwell with the creator of all the universe. How beautiful would that be? How many of you would have liked it if Adam and Eve had never sinned? Amen? And we would, we would be in the garden right now. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, think about all the, all the bad things that have happened to you over your lifetime. And how you've looked forward with the anticipation that Christ is going to come back and he's going to establish his kingdom right here on earth. And we will dwell with him here on earth, his new headquarters, if you will, for the rest of eternity. In, in, in a beautiful earth, not like, not like the one that we have now. But, um, you know, that might not be good news for everyone. It might not be good news for everyone. I know that before I became a Christian, that wasn't good news for me. I wouldn't have been happy in heaven. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't looking forward to those types of things, because I had no interest in them. But I thank God that he came into my life and changed me and made me a new person so that I am interested in those things. The things that I used to hate, I now love, and the things that I used to love, I now hate. But what if you're, you're feeling like maybe God has abandoned you? That he's left you, he's rejected you, if you will. 
Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 13. 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 13. My Bible reads this way. I will dwell among them, or I will dwell among yeah, um, uh, the sons of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. And by the way, if you're thinking, well, this is just for the, for the Jews because it was written in the Old Testament, you have to remember that in the New Testament, God calls us spiritual Israel. And so the, 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 the good news is, regardless of where you have gone in your life, the things that you've done that have drawn you away from God, doesn't matter how far you've drifted away or ran away in some cases, God wants you back and he will not reject you if you ask for forgiveness and you you ask him to have a relationship with you. There's good news there. And And if you have already experienced that for yourself, praise the Lord. If you haven't, I, su- I would strongly suggest that you really pray about it and, and, and make sure that it's something that you've done. And maybe you might even want to share that truth with someone else. You know, I, found, I have found out that it's not how you start your life, but it's how you finish your life that's important. You know, I don't care what kind of a start you had. It doesn't matter. It do- God doesn't matter. To, to God, it doesn't matter where you began, how rough or, or difficult or, or hard or, or, or um, deviant your, your past has been. God is willing to forgive all of that and accept you into a right relationship with him. And then he's willing to help you finish well. Amen? Maybe you start out the race... At the, at, the, at the end, you know, the last person, but God gets you across the finish line first. And so he can do it. God wants us to do it. He wants, he wants to love us and not reject us, not forsake us. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been, how many of you have ever been rejected before? Yeah, you know how it feels. I can still remember my first um, crush. I even know her name. And so, um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't want to take too much time, but we, we, uh, we went to school together, and then we ran into each other at um, the street fair. You guys have those here? Where they bring the little rides in and stuff, you know, and, 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 uh, and you go and play the, the games where they take your money? Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we were there together, and, um, and I kissed her. I think I'm probably maybe my daughter's age. Okay, so I, I don't recommend that, honey. But uh, but I was so excited about that, and she invited me to her birthday party, and we and you know we, we had things um, going on until school started, and then she got back together with her with her friends, you know, from school, and and uh, forgot all about me, and and it hurt. You ever felt that? You ever felt that pain? God doesn't want you to feel that pain with Him. He wants to love you and accept you, and he won't reject you. Just give yourself over to him. Now, I'd like to turn 
to our scripture reading. So we've seen that God wanted a very close relationship with us in the very beginning. God sent his son here. We'll see this in Isaiah. He sent his son here so that we could have that right relationship. And he's looking forward to a time when we'll have it in the future. So let's go to where we had our scripture reading, Isaiah 9, 6. My Bible reads this way. For a child is born to us. Do you see the plural language there? The relational language that God gives to us? To us. God could have said he easily here, hey, God, uh, you know, that, that a child was born to me, right? He could have said that. Or he could have said that he gives you a child. But what he says is a child is born to us. A son will be given to us. And the, one, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The great Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Creator God of all the universe, wants to have a relationship with you. He wants that desperately. He, he loves you. And he wants that relationship with you. It doesn't matter if Jesus died for the rest of the world, it matters if he died for you. So as we celebrate this Advent season, let's, let's remember exactly why it was that Christ actually came here. And that was to save the world. Not just to be born in Bethlehem under the circumstances he was born in, but to save the world and to, and to demonstrate what he's willing to give to have that right relationship, which was his own life.